We are I. For reference and I guess to kind of help give some context to something that I've talked about on this podcast lots um, and something that is obviously, you know, close to home for me and that's super fucking annoying and something that I've been dealing with with my GP for a while here now. Um, I thought this morning just to give you just not some, uh, you know, maybe Blake's bro science has not bro scientists, you know, information I've actually read, but citing the article and kind of talking through a little bit about, you know, how and why and where a lot of this information that, you know, it's been stemmed from where it's come from that I've talked about with how high LDL cholesterol levels isn't a bad thing, especially for people like me, but how GPs and that general narrative out there is just, there's a narrative that's being pushed that's actually creating harm to people's health if they're healthy like somebody like me. So the if you simply typed into Google, you know, statin therapy, you know, I'll read out the whole headline and then, you know, the um the the headline of this article and then you could choose to Google what you want to be able to find it. So statin therapy is not warranted for a person with high LDL cholesterol on a low carbohydrate diet. Now for those of you that don't know, LDL, low density lipoproteins, you know, that's the air quotes bad cholesterol that your doctor's really going to be looking for to tell you whether or not that your cholesterol levels are bad and if you should go on a statin. And this is where I get in this argument about how the latest research doesn't support, you know, if you don't have any of the other biomarkers, if your ratios are fine, if your triglyceride levels are fine, if your HDL cholesterol is fine. You know, if your calcium scores, find all these other things, if they are fine, you know, like this is, this is not a biomarker to be able to put people on pharmacological drugs, but a lot of people are. And the biggest reason why that I would like people to read this whole article, or at least a portion of it anyway, like it's only, it's only six or seven full pages, but it talks about the correlation between LDL cholesterol and how it has this very specific role in the function of our immune system and how one of the reasons, one of the possible reasons why cancer might be on an uptick is because of the suppression of LDL cholesterol levels. Now, I'm not going to get that far into the article. I'm going to just pull out a few snippets only at the beginning. I'm not going to cherry pick information throughout. I'm just going to read some at the very beginning to have a cursory understanding of where I get my information from to be able to arm you with education that isn't just Blake sharing his thoughts. Now, when you look at the abstract and there's, you know, obviously headings through here and the first heading is the purpose of review, like why this is created. And, you know, as I go through this, I'll stop and talk about a few things along the way. Although there is extensive literature on the efficacy of a low carbohydrate diet, 
for weight loss and in the management of type 2 diabetes, concerns have been raised that the low-carbohydrate diet may increase cardiovascular disease risk by increasing the level of low-density lipoproteins, that's LDL cholesterol. We have assessed the value of LDL-C as a risk factor as well as uh, effects of low-carbohydrate diet on other cardiovascular disease risk factors. We have also reviewed findings that provide guidance as to whether statin therapy would be beneficial for individuals with high LDL-C on a low-carbohydrate diet. Now, LDL-C, we're just going to call that low-density lipoproteins from now on, LCD will be for the low-carbohydrate diet, just for simplicity of talking. Now, if you haven't brought the correlation between these two, a low-carbohydrate diet is going to be your more ketogenic diet. Now, on a ketogenic diet, obviously, you're higher in fats. A lot of those fats are saturated fats, and a lot of the belief is, and obviously, fact-finding is true, that the highest saturated fat content raises your LDL cholesterol levels which previously thought was bad. But again, this is the purpose of the article to be able to explain why it's not and what misled the public and misled a lot of these organizations to be saying this. So heading number two, recent findings. Multiple longitudinal studies have demonstrated the safety and efficacy of the low-carbohydrate diet while also providing evidence of improvements in the most reliable coronary or cardiovascular disease risk factors, recent findings have also confirmed how ineffective LDLC is in predicting cardiovascular disease risk. So when you look at that, this is what they're saying. What we found is having, if you do standard blood work, get your labs done, and it says your LDLC is high, and that's the reason why you should be going on a statin. This actually found the contrary to that. It's not a good predictor of cardiovascular disease. Summary, extensive research has demonstrated that the efficacy of the LCD to improve the most robust CVD, cardiovascular disease, risk factors such as hyperglycemia, hypertension, atheral um, dyslipidemia, dyslipidemia, our review of the literature indicates that statin therapy for both primary and secondary prevention of cardiovascular disease is not warranted for individuals on a low-carbohydrate diet with elevated LDLC who have achieved a low triglyceride HDL ratio, which like I've said, this is me. When you get my labs done, this literally is me. I'm on a low-carbohydrate diet. I have elevated not high, but elevated LDLC, but my triglyceride and my HDL ratios are low. So this is where I'm only going to read a snippet of this. This is where now it kind of gets into the weeds, and then I'm going to skip all the way down to the conclusions. But the reason why that I want to read this first part of the introduction is just why this and how this information came about because it's very important because I want you to see that this isn't just some researchers or some people who said like, hey, we're just going to take a look at this. There's a very specific reason why this came out. And now this didn't come out a ton of years ago. The, the, the reason why most doctors are not going to know this information or even going to validate it because they feel as though that then you're telling them that they're wrong is because this came out in October 2022. 
So this is how recent this is. This is not even a year old. It's coming up on here, but we're talking about this article and this research came out 10 months ago. But if you were following the curve, you've been on this path for longer than 10 months, but like the full dissemination of this information came out about 10 months ago. So introduction. In 1973, the now famous Dr. Robert Atkins, creator of the Atkins diet, who is like Atkins diet for you, maybe that don't know without weren't around when it's popularity, it's just a ketogenic diet is really what it came down to. In 1973, Dr. Robert Atkins was called to testify before the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Nutrition and Human Needs. The committee was in charge of investigating, amongst others, the eponymously named, or yes, sorry, I apologize. There's going to be some things that I'm not going to be able to properly relay these these words through here, especially when we get into some of the more medical ones, but I'm going to do my best. Named high-fat Atkins diet, which was considered nutritionally unsound and potentially dangerous. Nutrition experts called upon were unanimous in their testimony that the diet was potentially harmful. Dr. Fred Stair, for example, chairman of Harvard's Department of Nutrition, stated, any diet which tends to be high in saturated fat and cholesterol tends to elevate the chance that the individual will get heart disease. This viewpoint on the potential hazards of the Atkins diet was expressed that year in an editorial in JAMA, which stated perhaps the greatest danger of the Atkins diet is related to hyperlipidemia, which may be induced by such a regime, which could be responsible for accelerating atherosclerosis. These concerns with the Atkins with an Atkins, that is, low-carbohydrate diet expressed 50 years ago, have persisted as evidenced, by, as evidenced by the recent proclamation by the National Lipid Association Nutrition and Lifestyle Task Force that long-term consumption of the low-carbohydrate, low-carbohydrate diet increases the risk of all-cause and cardiovascular mortality. Concerns with the safety of the low-carbohydrate diet are based in part on the diet-heart hypothesis, which postulates in that unrestricted consumption of saturated fat from animal fat and tropical oils on a low-carbohydrate diet may raise serum cholesterol levels, thereby increasing one's risk of developing cardiovascular disease. This hypothesis, however, has failed to receive empirical support with decades of scholarly, scholarly, how can you tell it's 4.43 in the morning, Um, critiques of its flaws. We concur that Dr. Dubroff and Dr. DeLagori, that the diet heart hypothesis survives only because its proponents air quotes, selectively cite evidence that validates their own viewpoint while disregarding evidence to the contrary. An extension of the diet-heart hypothesis is the view that an elevated level of low-density lipoprotein, LDL cholesterol, under any circumstance is unequivocally recognized as the principal driving force in the development of atherosclerosis and that the key initiating event in atherogenesis is the retention of LDL uh, cholesterol within the arterial wall. This perspective on LDL-C as inherently atherogenic has been the driving force in recent concerns that 
LDL or LCD induced increase in LDL increases one's risk of developing cardiovascular disease. So this is what obviously that last sentence says. The recent concerns of a low carbohydrate diet, low carbohydrate diet induced increased in low um, density lipoprotein increases one's risk of developing uh, cardiovascular disease. So if you eat low carbohydrate, high fat, LDL goes up, cardiovascular disease risk goes up. Allegedly, this is their perspective. This was their findings. Now what they've said in that paragraph is, hey, we have found now errors in your science that you are just proving a confirmation bias. We didn't subjectively look at the evidence as a whole. So here we go. Let's go on. Regarding an increase in LDLC on the low carbohydrate diet, in relation to the risk of a coronary event, we shall paraphrase the quote from Donald Rumsfeld by stating, and obviously we all know who Donald Rumsfeld is, by saying that there are known knowns and known unknowns about low carbohydrate diet, LDLC, and cardiovascular disease. It is known that the low carbohydrate diet improves many CVD related biomarkers but it is not known with clarity and certainty if an increase in LDLC on the low carbohydrate diet is pro atherogenic, neutral or beneficial. The basis of our lack of knowledge on this issue is that the absence of any published long-term clinical trials which have characterized hard coronary events, for example, myocardial infraction, stroke, or coronary death in people who develop high LDLC on a low carbohydrate diet. Therefore, despite the concerns expressed repeatedly over the past five decades, there is no conclusive research to indicate whether an increase in LDLC for someone on a low carbohydrate diet has any effect beneficial or harmful on cardiovascular outcomes. Now, this is where I'm going to say like it really gets into the weeds now, but you can get the general gist and there's it's very easy to read. Yes, there's some technical terms, but hopefully nothing that scares people away because it really gets into the full understanding that the cherry picked LDL cholesterol levels to be able to have it as this profound biomarker for cardiovascular disease actually turns out that there were some other signals that are on the same test that you would do to be able to test for LDLC that are actually a far better biomarker to be able to predict whether or not you're going to have a cardiovascular disease. But they chose to ignore that either willfully or unwillfully. But this is where their bias comes in and looking at things a lot more like insulin resistance and you know whether or not you're pre-diabetic is going to be your number one um, number one biomarker that you're going to be looking for to be able to see if you are at high risk for cardiovascular disease. Now, this doesn't even get into that it is now completely disproven that statins even have a meaningful impact on cardiovascular disease prevention anyway. Um, so summary and conclusion. We have addressed concerns regarding high LDLC in individuals on a low carbohydrate diet, which began five decades ago and persist to the present day. Our review has evaluated whether these concerns are justified based on three levels of analysis. 
First, critics of the low-carbohydrate diet have focused on how the diet may increase LDL cholesterol. However, there's a substantial literature uh, demonstrating that LDL-C is of limited utility as a CVD risk factor. Second, we review the literature on low-carbohydrate diet improvements in CVD risk factors, which are superior to LDLC, such as IR, hypertension, hyperglycemia, LDL particle subtypes, and metabolic syndrome. So just so you know, IR stands for insulin resistance. Third, we summarize RCTs, which demonstrate that individuals with high LDLC and uh, LCD-like lipid profile, so low triglycerides and high LDLC, had a low rate of coronary events under non-treatment conditions and derived no cardiovascular benefit from statin therapy. Therefore, our review of the literature provides support for the conclusion that LDLC reduction with a statin would not provide any benefit in primary or secondary prevention of cardiovascular disease for an individual on a low carbohydrate diet. So, and then financial support and bot, uh, sponsorship at the bottom, just for full transparency, who funded it. Uh, the open access publication cost was provided by the Duke University Research Fund. So then obviously, you know, you go and you research that uh, fund and who supports it to be able to see potential biases. Uh, it says there's no conflicts of interest right below that. Um, but again, you can draw conclusions yourself by who funded it. But the big thing to be able to take into consideration here is, when you go into the doctor, and this is my argument, this is what irritates me so much to no end. When you go to your doctor and they look at this old, old fact, or this factor that has a very old narrative attached to it, and they look at it and they say, well, your LDL cholesterol levels are high, this is not good, and we should put you on a statin. So the two things fundamentally wrong with that statement are that LDL cholesterol levels, if they're elevated, are bad. So that's fundamentally incorrect. That's factually incorrect. And that a statin actually will prevent cardiovascular disease and has a meaningful impact, a meaningful impact on improvement of cardiovascular disease. Those two statements are factually wrong. And again, this isn't a part of Blake's bro science. This is actual studies. And when you deep dive into this article, they list all the studies for reference. It's not even one of those things where like, it's like, hey, just trust me, I've said this, there's references back, you can easily look up those references if you want to. And this is the profound part. Because again, when you read through this article, not only is it that you're getting improper, you're getting an, an improper advice from your doctor, and you're really going to them so that they understand and know or that you you want to bestow that they know and have the most current and accurate information when it comes to your healthcare when we know that they don't. This again is misleading people. They say X, but it's not actually the most current science. So it's misleading the patient. And again, how do you get doctors to be able to stay current with all the latest information out there? And again, then if it's not accepted by the medical community because it's too new, then you have doctors who even believe in it but can't say anything because of the fact that 
they're now at risk because their insurance won't cover them for malpractice because of the fact it's not widely accepted by the medical community. And they're not even allowed to be able to say it even if they believe in it. So these are some fundamental problems with our medical system. And this is why I have, this is why we have the obligation as people to be able to go and research these things. When it do when a doctor, no matter how much you love and respect and value their opinion, because the thing is my GP, I've been friends with her for almost 20 years. I love and respect this woman. But there's going to be some times where she's wrong. The same thing that I'm going to be wrong and you're going to be wrong. It's whether or not in that moment at that crossroads, you have the humility to say, actually, I don't know about this research and I should. So now my professional obligation, whether or not I can actually tell patients this is my obligation as a doctor to be able to read this information and now form my own opinion on it. And you have that obligation as an individual yourself. Go to the doctor, get a get an understanding of what they're saying, but just spend some time researching it. You you owe it to yourself to know exactly like what is going on in your body and why and what the differing opinions may be. This is the best part now. This is the best part of the world we live in now because you have access to the information that you never had access to before. 20 years ago, you couldn't look up these studies. You couldn't look up this information. And now you can. It's at your fingertips. And this is what empowers people is to be able to have information and education at your fingertips that costs nothing. So now that you're armed with this and you're armed with tools to be able to understand this information on your own, investigate things for yourself. Are you willing to do it? Or do you continually to be blindly led by people who may not and not by any ill intention, but people who just may not have the time to be able to stay current on information like this? Are you going to take that into your own hands? And are you going to understand yourself and your health care? Or understand what impacts you the greatest? Are you going to understand it at a fundamental level and not just blindly and willfully bestow that upon somebody else who may not understand the topic fully, just like you? And that's the true irony of the situation.